right. Welcome to back to the Global Gamers Podcast. We're here for another review episode today. And episode 28. Yeah. Yeah, we're closing in on 30 pretty quick here. And Ed, this week we uh we got inside uh in in touch with our spiritual side a little bit. Took a, a little bit we went to church. We went to church and we uh <laughs> and for listeners that have been listening to us for a while, you'll remember that we've already reviewed Architects of the West Kingdom. So we are not talking about building the cathedral here, but we're decorating it this time. That's exactly right. We're decorating the already completed cathedral. And what better way to do that than to play a game of Sagrada? Sagrada. Indeed. And so Sagrada is one of, it falls in the top 10 for abstract games on BGG, uh, published in 2017, designed by Daryl Andrews and Adrian Adamescu, and the artist is Peter Walken. It's published by Floodgate Games. That's that's true, and it has a 1.92 complexity rating. Yes. And the playing time listed is 30 to 45 minutes, which I noticed that on the BGG page because it's not different than what's listed on the box. I, I don't know if that usually happens. I'm trying to remember. Was the box something like oddly specific, like 28 minutes? I thought the... No, I thought I thought the box was like 30 because we were talking about it when we were playing last night that we got through probably closer to 40 minutes per game. So I guess the BGG um, designation is more accurate. Yeah. But anyway, the point is you won't be playing this game for super long and you can probably get through multiple games in a sitting. So Yes, it's a quick one. If that's what you're looking for, welcome. Indeed. <laughs> And just to uh, set the stage theme-wise a little bit, uh, you are part of the Sagrada family, and you are competing as a stained glass artist to make beautiful stained glass windows for the cathedral. And Mm -hmm. you are, you know, where this falls, it's, you know, as we said, an abstract game, it's also a dice placement game. And so that kind of like gives at least a little bit of table setting for the sort of experience it is. Yeah. Um, quickly, before we move on from the theme, I have a question because I've always sure. kind of wondered this. And for some reason, I've never Googled it. Uh huh. So why has the Sagrada Familia not finished construction as of the year of our Lord 2023? I would have to say we're probably dealing with a situation similar to the Washington Monument where funds just ran out and uh, Mm. the building project is being resumed after a steady bout of fundraising. Okay, but the Washington Monument, it was like a couple years during the Civil War, the Sagrada Familia. This has been going on since the late 19th century. (laughs) Yeah. So, Oh, well. I guess they can just keep innovating. Um, yeah, I don't and know. And that's why we have this game to to help. We need to bring in like a world worth of gamers to 
bill stained glass windows again and again because yeah. I guess it's just never enough. The um, the only so um you know you asked about that uh and interestingly the answer from a quick glance at wikipedia appears to be somewhat similar it was interrupt construction was interrupted by the spanish civil war okay but that was like 80 years ago <laughs> yeah i mean anyway that's not our problem to solve it's not i mean my guess is barcelona's got a a pretty pretty competitive architecture scene so maybe it's just a battle against perfectionism yeah or you know some things just become so entrenched that like part of the appeal is the narrative behind it now Mm -hmm. you know there's almost like a mythology to this thing it's just being perpetually incomplete yeah um but we completed our stained glass windows twice when we played this last night. We certainly did. So we were able to get a good sense of how we feel about this game. So as you mentioned, this is um, an abstract kind of puzzle game, kind of in the vein of games we've talked about in the past. Specifically, I'm thinking of Azul and Cascadia. Super, super thinking of Azul because, I mean... You know, one is Portugal, one is Spain. They both came out in 2017. There's a five by five grid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, window versus tiles. It's you know the architectural adornments, basically. The great Iberian um, rivalry of the board game world. Yes, and I'm sure that as we discussed um, Sagrada, inevitably Azul is probably going to come up um, as a point of comparison and reference. Um, because these games are so similar and it's interesting to see what was different and what um, we think was a welcome change and what we may have preferred in Azul. So basically in Sagrada, um, you are you, there's going to be 10 rounds, which is you know a limited number of rounds. It's a little bit different than Azul. But each round, you basically are drafting dice that are components of your stained glass window so each round each player is going to draft two dice um it kind of works in a snake draft particularly in a two-player game and each die obviously has numbers one through six and there are five different colors of dice yellow red green blue purple and you are just trying to match your dice onto the spots on your grid where those dice are allowed to be played because everybody's going to have a different grid setup that you draft at the beginning of the game. And there will be some color restrictions or some dice number restrictions. And you're trying to work through that while at the same time, there are some shared objective cards that will give you end game scoring points. And you also each have your own individual one. And so you're trying to balance the limitations imposed upon you by the blueprint of your specific stained glass window grid with what the objectives want you to do. Um, And there is a little bit of flexibility in that you have these little um, wonderful little white glass gems that you can use kind of as a Hail Mary to keep with the church theme. Um, And that gives you a little bit of flexibility. It'll be different every game, but it might let you move things around or... Um, you know, throw a die back in the bag and draw a new one. But for the most part, you're pretty constrained and you're trying to do your best to work with the dice that you pull out of the random um, 
bag every round. Yep. So that I mean that's basically it. It's not a complicated game. Um, I think the other. I mean, we talked about you know Azul being a good comparison, but the other one that you thought of and I think is even more accurate is just a Sudoku. Yeah, yeah, and I can get into that when we talk comparisons about the the similarities there. But I think all of those paint a picture of what this gaming experience is like. Yes. Um. So with such little rules overhead to go through with this game, I guess let's just go right into. Based on the plays that we've had so far at this game, what are some of the things that you think would be helpful for potential players or first-time players to know? Yeah. I th- One thing that is helpful to know is that you... I mean, it. This is a, this is a pretty obvious one, but you're going to be more constrained as you go along. So the earlier you can place dice on spaces on your grid that have some restriction based on which color or which number has to be placed there, the better. Mm -hmm. The longer you can leave your blank wild spots open, the better. Yeah. Um, Mine is similar to that, kind of building off of that. So (laughs) I'm not saying this to like, you know, make it seem like I'm an expert at this game or anything. But the two games that we played, I did win both. Yep. And I noticed one thing that I did more. Um, I thought it was a risky move, but it seems to have worked two for two was, as I mentioned, each player will get a certain number of um, tokens that you can use to kind of have some flexibility or move things around, but you have a limited number of them. Like you probably will get to do it two or three times per game maximum. So you're trying to pace how you use those. I did mine ahead of you both times. Like I think there was a game where you didn't spend all of yours and I was done by round six out of 10 or something. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I did that was because something to keep in mind when playing this game is that once you put something in a place, unless there is one of those Hail Mary spots that lets you move things around, nothing's moving. Mm-hmm. So, and and the scoring isn't going to change. You know exactly how it's going to score. So there's no harm in just locking something in. Even if, and if it's the right thing in the right place, why not just pay a little bit extra to guarantee that you get it? Because again, like this is also a dice um, bag bag pulling game where you're pulling things randomly out of a bag every round. So between that and someone else potentially taking um, the die you want, whether, you know, for their own purposes or to spite you, there's no guarantee that you're going to get it later on. So take it while you can. Yeah. That's that's kind of the approach I took, and it seems to have worked. I'm curious if that's a general um, approach that people take in this game and if it's consistently successful. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. And I think... I didn't. I, I think I was thinking about the game the same way as you. I think the way it it played out, at least the last time we played, I just I didn't I didn't need to use it until a little bit later. One of the one right. of the things I kept in mind, though, with respect to using those uh, those special Hail Mary Hail Mary saves was thinking about how many 
of those little tokens I had because, you know, as Ed said, you have a somewhat of an advantage of using them earlier because you have a first mover advantage. The first person to use each of the three tools pays one. Every subsequent use is a cost of two. But mm-hmm. but that sometimes matters and sometimes doesn't matter because it all depends on how many you start with. And depending on how many you start with, like if you start with, say, four, like if you use... They're more valuable. Well, they're more valuable. But like if you if you start with four, you're only going to be able to do something twice. Two, three yeah. times. Well, that's stops. why I said I was yeah. like, so I think, you know, with two plays last night, right? We, so that's the sample size of four between the two of us. We always started with five or six. So yeah, I think you can pretty much assume that you're going to get between two and three per game. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I but yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like I think the utility of that first mover advantage is a little blunted by the fact that you know even if you you're you're at most going to get yourself one extra from going early, but at the cost of going early when you have a lot of flexibility left. And they're they're like the, the in our second game what happened to me was i used both of mine i used i paid two for but i i only had i think what i think i had five so it's like i used though i paid one for the one that no one had gone to yet but then it after that it didn't really matter to me that um I had to pay two because yeah, I wouldn't have been able to, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Exactly. Do you get the idea? I think so. I mean, I think just my point I was, I was saying is I think I I'm agreeing with you in that the co- I didn't care about the cost difference at all. Right. Like, That's what I'm it, saying. Even if it costed, I'm just saying what I thought was most useful is when you want to use it, just go for it. Don't like, honestly, there's no point in holding back. Um, in the hopes that things will play out better in a future round because it doesn't matter. Just do what you need to do when you can do it. Yeah. And it's locked in. Well, like better to have the peace of mind, then you can adjust accordingly. Well, and so we've talked through strategy a bit, but taking a step back, Ed, what would you say resonated the most for you in this game? What was your favorite part? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I liked and I know that I keep bringing up Azul, but I think it works really well as a point of comparison is, you know, when we did our review of Azul, one thing that we both kind of wished was part of the game was a little bit more asymmetry and and replay value and variety um, built into the game. Not saying Azul doesn't have replay value. Definitely it does. But I'm thinking more in line with what Sagrada actually offered. And yeah, definitely. that should have been too. Is the first and the biggest one is the different blueprints that everybody's stained glass window has. So you get to choose, you know, based on the choice of two different windows that you want to build that game, and they'll have different color and number combinations. And then everybody has their own personal objective, which is, 
you know, they're all basically the same. Someone is going to get extra points for all their reds. Someone's going to get for their greens. But it just gives you a little bit something different that you're working toward in addition to the shared goals, which I thought was a nice balance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, those goals will interact differently based on what color you're working on. Right. Or it may be more beneficial for you to focus more on your individual thing rather than, you know, any one or multiple of the shared goals. So, right. Cause, you know, so yeah. it's interesting because it's like you could think that the other person is doing really badly and you're doing really well because you can see how they're performing on the shared goals, mm-hmm. but you don't know exactly what color um, their private their goal personal is. Right. is. Yeah. So, and, and like you might think you know based on oh like I remember last night I was looking at yours I was like oh I'm pretty sure his is red because he has a bunch of really high die value reds and it turned out it was yellow mm-hmm. you never know but yeah I think just the asymmetry and the replay value just built in in really simple elegant ways is a plus for this game what about you the first thing that jumped out to me is just. I, it was nice to have a satisfying game in a genre you that I have not seen very much of, and that's like mm-hmm. dice drafting, dice placement games. Yes. Like, um, I mean, you definitely, like, I mean, I say that, and then the very first game we reviewed, Wayfarers, had, had an element of this in it, but... Well, that's, di- that's not dice drafting, because everybody has their own dice in that. That game. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I, 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 I that's, guess, that's, that's just like traditional dice, dice placement. placement is what I meant to say. Yes. Um, and so I, I liked, I guess I like the idea in like the completionist side of me of having a game on the shelf that falls in this category just because I felt like there was mm-hmm. a a blank space there beforehand, and right, I it, and it's nice to have a game that's dice based that isn't completely left to chance like you get in like say Risk or or even dw- a game like Dwellings with the combat system, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. I, I agree with that completely. I mean, I. It's interesting you say that you felt like this was a genre that you felt like was missing and you wanted to fill. It's for me, it was more like I never really thought about dice drafting. <laughs> and now that I've seen, I'm like, oh, you know, I've seen yeah. drafting tiles like in Azul and Cascadia. I've obviously seen, you know, card hand drafting in multiple games, yes. um, like Seven Wonders and Carnival of Monsters. But I never knew that dice drafting was yeah something that you could even do. So it was it was fun to see. Yes. Yeah. One other small smaller detail I really appreciated, and you mentioned earlier that I drew a comparison between this and Sudoku, which I think the parallels are obvious, but I can get into it more yeah. in a second. But one thing I wanted to add on that point is that you have a grid that is five by five instead of six by six. This would be too hard on a six by six grid. I think having it five by five where you can have one number in each row that doesn't show up 
is, I think, key to the balance of it. Yeah, especially if you have some of those um, endgame scoring cards where you need a di- like a different number in, in every row, right? In every spot, or even with the colors, like what would you do then? Would you introduce a sixth color that just makes the game infinitely more bloated for no reason? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I think the five by five was perfect. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, um, my turn to ask you a question. Yes. So, on the flip side, what did you not like so much about this game? What broke the stained glass illusion? I so I think the it's the other side of the coin for the asymmetry that you highlighted as a real benefit of this game. Mm-hmm. Because you're drawing the dice out of a bag randomly, it's luck of the draw. And because you're I feel like there were a lot of rounds where you're just going to get, you're going to get the spread of the dice of different colors is often fairly uneven in Mm -hmm. ways that sometimes, I mean, it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, on some level it adds to the challenge of the game, but sometimes it's just frustrating. Well, okay, to kind of push push you on that, do you feel that way about Azul and Cascadia? Because doesn't the same principle apply? I don't feel that. I don't feel that friction as much in those games because those games give you more choice in what you're choosing. But you only have five dice to choose from in this game, and that small and that right. small sample size exacerbates the friction. Yeah, and I guess, so like in Cascadia, I mean, obviously the, the nature tokens, right, are limited. Yeah. But they are more abundant than your opportunities to shift things around in this game. Right. And and with Azul, like you, you have any of the five rows you can play with in worst case, like, you know, you take some overflow and just move on. Yeah. 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 Whereas in this one, you're either placing something in a suboptimal spot that's going to cascade into later rounds or mm-hmm. worst case scenario, you're not playing anything at all. Yeah. Cool. Um, so how about for you? What was something that um Yeah, I'm I'm thinking to be honest, there's nothing in this game that I disliked. To me, it just everything was just fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I would play it again. Yeah. Um it just here's it almost here's a it almost yeah go ahead well here's another way of thinking about it and i hope this doesn't lead too much into the game comparison question but mm-hmm. how much of this is anchor bias like if you had played this yes. first instead of azul first would you feel differently um so interesting you brought that up because all my negatives i keep thinking of are always in you know, are always relative to how do I feel about the similar thing being implemented in Azul. Um, so while we both just pl- um, praise the the dice, I think that overall it's good, it's fine, but I prefer the tiles because I think it just kind of adds a little bit much for what this game is. 
it just feels a little bit, as you said, a little bit more frustrating. And it's a very fine line. And I'm sure a lot of people, maybe like people who really love Sudoku's would probably disagree with us and probably really enjoy this and prefer it to Azul. But for me, I just was like, if I, if I want to play a 30, 45 minute game, I want it to be a little bit more chill and streamlined than this was. And there was a little, like one too many things to keep track of um, for a game like this. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you, and it, to answer your question about like, you know, the anchor bias, obviously I don't know because you know, that's, that's the nature of it. Yeah. That's, that's multiverse me. Um, but what I was, what else, I mean, you asked me last night, which one I prefer. And I guess this one can kind of lead into the game comparison, but you asked me which one I prefer. And I said, Azul and part of what I said about that was also, you know, in addition to the more streamlined gameplay and the fact that, you know, especially with the zoom mini, but even the base one, like you could play that in a more diverse set of settings just because, you know, rolling dice is a little bit more messy than just pulling tiles out of a bag. You're talking Um, if you're traveling with the game. Yeah. 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 Like that's obviously that's not like a, a big thing in terms of the quality of the game, but you know, it's an added benefit. And then in terms of the actual gameplay, one thing that I prefer about Azul as well is the player interaction. Um, you can definitely like hate draft dice in this game, but because you're so limited on where you can place them and placements are 99% of the time absolutely permanent, you probably don't want to hate draft that much unless you were considering taking that die anyway. Whereas in Azul, because the game is more fluid, you can interact with those tiles in a number of different ways, including playing an aggressive strategy. And I've had many games of Azul where part of the fun is just knowing that the other person is about to set you up to have massive overflow and just have your have all your dreams shatter in front of mm-hmm. you. And it's in a, in a fun way. Um, yeah. Ironic that that yeah. experience came in the tile game and not the stained glass game. <laughs> well, yeah, you could break tiles. Too. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so, I mean, should we just continue on the Azul discussion for comparison or do you want to talk about your comparison? Well, do you have, do you have more? Let's, uh, let's keep them grouped together. Let's wrap up, do you, do you wrap have more you want to say on Azul? Um, so, Honestly, not much. I think the only other thing that stood out to me is a big difference. And it's not a huge deal, but I think I might actually prefer this in Sagrada is the scoring. Hmm. Um, Azul scoring can be a little bit finicky and sometimes the way that you you know what someone's score is between each round it can kind of give you a sense of how the game is going whereas in sagrada you only score at the very end of the game um so there's a little bit more mystery which also may lead to it being a more like isolated player experience less interactive as well right because especially in like a three player plus game of azul like you know you can always tag team and take down the person who you know is ahead yeah. in Sagrada there's no re- there's no real way to do that yeah um yeah but that's I mean overall I prefer Zool I don't really see how you could really like one of these and not the other they are very similar theme published in 2017 
Spain and Portugal, you know, decorations on a building, a five by five grid of colorful stuff that's pulled out of a bag. What do you want? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Over to you. Yeah. I, so like you mentioned earlier, the first thing that came to mind comparison wise for me was a game of Sudoku and Mm -hmm. two things stood out to me on that one. We've already talked about a fair bit and that's just the, you know, more isolated nature of the game. The, the dampened down level of interactivity between players. It feels, it feels it's certainly more satisfying than a game of solitaire, but cognitively it doesn't feel like a completely different brain process from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And going along with that, the second thing I would say is I already mentioned that, you know, with the way you're drafting the dice, your sample size each round is you have your room for different choices is much more heavily constrained in this. And I think that fact combined with the fact that you have to place things more precisely in this game than you have to in Azul, even though the trappings of the game feel very similar between Azul and um, Sagrada in all the ways that you've highlighted, the actual experience of the game feels more different to me than I expected it to. Like I feel more like I enjoy the game and there's like some, there's a certain level of like, you know, satisfaction at having like finished a game and done, done well, but it, it feels more akin to like having finished a Sudoku or a tough crossword or like a logic puzzle in in one of those logic puzzle books it feels more like that whereas finishing a game of azul mm, it It feels like you actually played the board game at some it's more it's more entertaining (laughs) i won't say it's more satisfying or more fun i think they're different flavors of that Mm -hmm. but if you're tired at the end of the day you probably would rather play azul than this yeah, I mean, I would I would say Azul is more fun in terms of it's more yeah like I can I I've had games of Azul where people like get you know fake mad or laugh <laughs> yeah. or just kind of joke about I could not see that happening in Sagrada. No, it's a very you like, play it silently as down. if you were in a cathedral. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's fine. Like we play lots of games. It's like more that. contemplative. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just it's not what I was expecting for something that's you know right in the family game section. And certainly not something you're really expecting from like a random like drawing game. Like at first, at yeah. first, I was thinking, "Oh, is this going to be kind of like Quacks?" No, no, nothing, no, nothing like, like it. All all the Quacks would get kicked out of this cathedral real fast. Yeah. So <laughs> in that way, I think I think the thing I enjoy about that is just seeing the wide variety of gaming experiences you can get from the starting point of pulling things out of a bag. That's a good way to put it. Um, so let's wrap it up with a final rating out of 10. What do you have for Sagrada? 
I'm going to go with a seven. I like this game and there's certainly room for expansions, but I mean, you talked about the variety in terms of replay value. That's kind Mm -hmm. of a, that's a hobby horse that I always come back to. And, and in this game, there's some of that, but I had to dock it a little bit just for just for simple things like I mean, I think you needed it to be a five by five grid for balance, but at the same time that does limit how much variety you can have with scoring. And it I don't know. I, I think after playing this a few times I think it would feel a little stale to me. Right. And I um, and like I feel a little weird saying that because there's more asymmetry in this game than Azul, but I think maybe what it is is the fact that you introduce a little bit of asymmetry in this game. It makes me want more whereas a game like Azul it's balanced in a different way where you you asymmetry doesn't really enter the equation at all so i'm not expecting it mhm and that's probably not fair and that's probably not it this is one of my more subjective ratings i think i mean they're all subjective but they're all subjective <laughs> i mean they're all subjective but i feel like i have less well-founded reasons for this one because it's just a gut feeling. It's just a gut feeling, kind of, because I feel like I should feel about the same between the, these mm-hmm. two games, but I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't in love with the feeling I felt at the end of the game. I felt. I felt. Right. I felt I, a little tired. I agree completely. I'm also going to give it a seven. Um, I thought about bumping that to seven point five because I had that same kind of guilt logic of is it unfair when i like azul so much <laughs> you know yeah. um but yeah the reality is i don't see myself ever like buying this game i would I, as i said i would play it again um i probably wouldn't request to play it again but if it was you know someone else's suggestion or it was just put in front of me, I would play it and I would have a fine time. There's a lot of um, really good stuff in this. Like it's obviously well-designed. It's not a broken game. It's not a lazy design. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting different things with the dice drafting and combining color matching with number matching. Yeah. Um, The, the like actual stained glass boards, those, um, do a layer card really really nice really nice yeah yeah and it's beautiful it's just yeah yeah it's just um yes it's definitely a better looking game than azul i'll say that um but yeah it just it wasn't as fun do you know do you Um, know what the comparison is to me mm -hmm. playing azul is like eating fruit it's sweet so you get a little bit of a dopamine hit Whereas this game is like eating your vegetables. It's good for you. And like, sometimes they're savory and delicious, but you're just not getting that same kick. It's also funny because of um, 
remember the comparison of the azul tiles with starburst <laughs> yeah yeah they're the fruit yeah <laughs> so there you yeah, go the there you go oh now, you're, now um, you've got me thinking of like veggie flavored starbursts oh god <laughs> this is like i don't know your veggie sticks or something oh, no um yeah anyway uh no eating in church so that wraps up our review of sagrada sevens all around um hoping that uh the people of Barcelona get it together so um the gamers don't have to work as hard on the windows mm-hmm. but uh let us know what you think um i know that this is un- it's unusual that we put so much emphasis on kind of a one for one comparison between two games yeah. in what we were trying in in like a normal review for sagrada but i feel like it's kind of unavoidable yeah it um the 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 comparison is is begging to be made yeah but it was also fun and just as kind of a um look into the crystal ball of the future we are looking into doing more intentionally planned comparison episodes and rankings of games and things like that so this was a good little incidental dry run yeah so we'll see where that goes yeah absolutely especially uh you know we've reviewed some a good number of these Garfield games and hopefully mm-hmm. are going to be once we complete the trilogy are going to be taking a look at just setting these games side by side next to each other and like thinking about thinking about this, yeah. the uh, the common threads and the departures in game design between them. Yeah. I mean that so specific, I mean specifically the three West kingdom games. Yeah. Um, that should be coming up soon. And then the other one that we'll probably get to a little bit later on, but it'll come eventually is the three Eric Lang, Simon area control games. So yeah, one- we did Ankh, we did Blood Rage, and we have Rising Sun still to go. But all of that coming down the pipeline. And for the sake of um, Starling Games, I hope that we don't have to do any more Everdell <laughs> side-by-side <laughs> comparisons. But, we'll see. Uh, we'll be positive. We'll see um well uh yeah but this was a lot of fun it was do you want to close us out with a benediction no <laughs> okay I, I i don't singing is where i where i draw the line uh fair that's fair right. well uh it was cool. fun glad that we got a dice drafting game into the mix and looking forward to our next conversation next week we'll see you next week all right take it easy